Good Monday afternoon. Welcome to a football show. Zach Lyons, Braden Gall, brought to you by Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group. Zach, football back, baby. College underway. Pro practices are back to normal. Football is here, my friend. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I I, I, I don't know. Can you tell? I'm a little excited. <laughs> you are you are very excited. I'm a little excited, man. Uh, Tim, good to see you, by the way. Chime into the comments. We'd love to have you guys involved in the show today. Lots of stuff to discuss today. Zach put out his 53-man roster projection, of course. By the time you're listening to this, that may have already happened. But this is why you subscribe to stackintheinbox.com. So make sure you go check that out. Tuesday, 3 p.m. Central Time is when uh, I believe there are 81 players currently at time of taping. If you guys are watching this live, of course, uh, they got to get down to 53. So you can do the math real quick. About 28 dudes about to get... Uh, cut and then they'll sign to the practice squad whatever numbers if they clear waivers so um, check out the stack in the inbox we're going to dissect some of those decisions that the titans have to make we'll discuss the preseason as a whole of course uh, in terms of what we saw from the backup quarterbacks mostly willis what did we see on friday evening against the patriots in a largely dominant win uh, there as well uh, and some choose your own adventure on the backup quarterback stuff also we're going to get into I was asked about worst case scenario. I was on in Vegas with some uh, like on VISN network, I guess, which is like a like syndicated radio. And they asked me, I, I put a bet down on the Titans to finish as the worst record in the NFL as a long shot. And I thought that's him. That seems like a waste of money. Um, so Do you know how much money he actually put down on it. You know, sometimes like most of the people I know that gamble, I think you might be like a heavier gambler from a dollar standpoint than anybody I know. Most yeah, people I'm I know gambling like $25, $50. Yeah, that see, I, me and my buddies are like five, 10, 20, maybe 20 on like a bit on a Super Bowl or something. But like, you never know about some of these guys that are throwing down like a, like, you know, like a C note on like all kinds of stupid parlays and shit. So I, I don't know the number. I have no clue. But I immediately was like, that seems like a dumb bet. Because <laughs> I think yeah. he, we're, we're going to lay out what the. <laughs> We're going to have lots of positive things to say. Potentially, by the way, here's a tease for you guys watching live. I think there's going to be some good news for you, but we just can't talk about it for like another 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you guys are going to be very happy. I think it, I, I was told 1.45 p.m. is when it can officially be talked about. We, we might go a little early. Um, I like it. I so, like it. Beat so everybody just, to it. Just stay tuned to the show. We got some really good news. And then what are those implications, of course? But we are going to I wanted to lay out what the worst case scenario could be because th there is this sense nationally that like, hey, man, Titans could be one of the worst teams in the NFL. And we, we've gone through the reasons why. And I think, Zach, you said a couple of weeks ago on the show, like we're not doing this topic anymore. Um, it's because they're you know, a lot of people don't pay attention. But what is actually the possible worst case scenario for the Titans? We'll lay out that. Uh, as well as hey congratulations and it, and it's really more of like a what has to happen right right like to me it's like there's a lot of things that have to happen for a worst case scenario of like a top five pick for this team to get there yes absolutely uh i i completely agree with that and so laying out what that scenario would include so that folks maybe can reevaluate and adjust sort of in that normal range of what probably is going to happen <laughs> is basically what we're going to get to uh, as well. Congratulations to the Vanderbilt Commodores undefeated one and oh in college football in what is not a high school stadium. It is in fact, Vanderbilt Commodores football stadium on their campus. It's just missing like a third of it. So congratulations. They, they beat Hawaii uh, made it a little scarier there at the end though. Made it, made it, 
<laughs> more more difficult than it needed to be. Uh, okay. Uh, quickly, I wanted to update this, by the way, as well. I, I assume you saw this, Zach. I have not talked to you about this, but I just re-upped the Fantasy League from last year. And we had a lot of you great listeners, loyal listeners that made the cut last year. And I thought, what the hell? Let's run it back. Um, and so we'll, we'll take a look at where those standings are. We'll have the draft next week, of course. Uh, we're working on maybe if we can get together in person. So I'll let you know. Stay tuned uh, for that as well. Uh, we are brought to you by Sinker's Beverages and Bluegrass at Sister Store up in Hendersonville. I normally tell you about how great Sinker's is. We got the cool shirt on right here. I get a lot of mileage out of this shirt. And it's a great place to go shop. Great place to buy your booze, sign up for the in crowd, get some cool stuff, all kinds of cool events. They got that, you know, we're going to try to do some live watch parties and stuff throughout the course of the season. But make sure you go to Bluegrass because this Saturday uh, around noon, noon o'clock Central Standard Time, uh, they're going to have a beer festival, food trucks, ticket, no tickets. It's free. You can go celebrate the 50th anniversary of Bluegrass Beverages up in Hendersonville, serving that community for half a century, Zach. Half a century. Long time. And there's rumors, there's rumors afoot on who could be there on Saturday. Rumors. Swirling. I like it. I like it. (laughs) All right. Sinker's Beverages, of course. Uh, Kingston Group as well. BuildKG.com. You guys know uh, the deal as as far as um, Sinker's goes and Kingston Group. Locally owned companies. Go support them. Okay. I'm trying to get to the comments over here. Uh, (laughs) Who should you call if you have any questions about your home, Zach? Kingston Group. There you go. BuildKG.com. Well, it was your Zach and and he's Zach as well. So that's right. All Zachs call Kingston Group. There you go. BuildKG.com. Okay. So let me ask you one very random question. Uh, did it take you g- some getting used to the field on Friday night watching the game? Did you watch the game? Like the turf? Like it felt it felt weird looking at the turf uh, for me. No. It looked like a football field. It looked weird to me. You're just a weird person, I guess. I mean, you're probably not the only one, but this is stuff that I just have no care or desire to develop an eye for. Uh, Fields field. Can you play on it? There you go. (laughs) Like, that's that's all that matters. Or do do the numbers show up? Is it green? I mean, that's like, for me, that's it. I There is one of our friends, uh, Chris, uh, who just had a birthday. He is obsessed with field paint. And that's just not something I can be obsessed about the look of a field or anything. I don't care what emblems are on there. I don't care what it says in the end zone. As long as there's in, there are defined markings for me to be able to tell, did he run 10 yards or 20 yards? That's all I give a shit about. No, I, I agree. I'm assuming they didn't put any logos on there because the Tennessee Virginia game will be played there on Saturday coming up on Saturday. I, I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't, I just thought it was having watched Nissan Stadium for 20 plus years. And the, as a person who loves natural grass, it just was weird to look at. It looked like a weird, it looked like, like grass to me. It, I, it I did looked, not, no, it did not. It looked like Miami's on, on my TV. Stadium. It looked like grass. Like, I don't know if you have like a special like 8K, 12K television that no, can different allow color. you to zoom in and look at the grass. I mean, look, it looked the same. It was green. Uh, it was a different color, but it was definitely green. Uh, I definitely noticed how nice it looked, said said Jason. Uh, Pretty Boy said, Bayard sounded pissed off about having to play on the turf when asked today. And then Stoney said, somebody asked me on Friday night what I thought of the field, and it took me a second to think of why they'd even be asking me that in the first place. Guys, it, it just it's just an observation, okay? You can have a different brain because that's okay. I can have my own brain. And I was and like, this doesn't look like Nissan Stadium. I know, but you weird. asked me my thing, and it's, I'm just saying. That's it true. Was, it was green. 
That's true. It was, uh, it was it was green grass is what it looked like to me. Okay, now this is where we go. Tim, I love you, man, and thank you for listening. And congrats on becoming a father recently. But if we're gonna, he says, if we're gonna do fake grass, I like it. We should make it baby blue. Boy, Boise, let's do. Let's copy no. Boise State. I like it. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, and we'll get what's we'll D good. We'll get to the kickers uh, and some other folks as as well. Jason said it didn't look like a half used hayfield. I I get it. At the end of the season, it gets a little run down. I get it, and it's going to look nice at the end of the at the end of the season. It just took me get some getting used to. That's all. All right, baby blue field though. No fucking way. No way. I don't. It's it's a gimmicky rule for like Eastern Washington and random schools that need to get some exposure. That's all that is. Stick with green. Stick with green. Uh, okay. Takeaways from the Titans offseason. Uh, I, I don't know if there's much from the game specifically you want to get to, Zach. I, I thought Malik Willis played well. I thought the offensive line, uh, you know, didn't really get a whole lot of push running the football for the second week, but they've had a solid offseason. And again, how do you take from take too much from the preseason? Interesting that Andre Dillard was playing in the third quarter. Well, um, it was reported. I, I mean, I, 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 I'm assuming you did you go to the game? I did not go to the game. Okay. No, I was. I so had you, fam- so did you watch the Channel Two broadcast on? Like, did you hear everything they were saying? Did you hear Rand's comments in the booth and all that kind of stuff? He so Rand said something different than Mike Vrabel said, which well, is which is Mike, interesting. Mike Vrabel just kind of like just shoved it to the side. Is kind of how I got the gist of. Is it. It like, oh well, you know, whatever. And I thought they still coincide and connect. It's just that they're they're not saying the same exact thing. But Rand Carthon said he wanted to stay out there. And, you know, Mike Vrabel said it's like conditioning or he, he needed to be out there or whatever Vrabel said. That's still the same thing. That's still maybe Andre Dillard's decision, not necessarily Mike Vrabel's decision. Well, Vrabel said, yeah, Vrabel said, I think the words where it was a coaching decision and that could obviously be Dillard as well. I thought Rand Carthon, I, 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 the moments I saw him asked about that and he commented about that, he was basically sort of like pumping up, Andre Dillard is like, oh, he's a guy who always wants to play more. And you look at like I to me, I don't think Rand Carthon had anything to do with that. <laughs> I just thought he was in the booth and like had to have a comment for it. I don't I have no idea. I don't think it's a big deal. I think it's good that he's getting reps, but it also could be Mike Vrabel saying, I need you to get some more work. So we'll just we'll find out when the regular season starts. But I did think that was interesting. Skaronsky played really, really deep into the second quarter as well. And then Brunskill got a little banged up. Um, but you know, Tajay Spears is great. <laughs> like uh, and Malik Willis, Willis, Willis did look look good. I mean, he s- s- still the same old stuff pops up constantly, but um, it's odd when Malik Willis has to technically split reps with someone, and, and it wasn't a lot of split with Ryan Tannehill. But Ryan Tannehill did play a drive. It's just uh, just a fact of what he did. When another quarterback plays in the game, he can get a hundred yards. But if he has to play the whole game by himself he cannot <laughs> do it and that's just it's just a weird it's a weird thing to see because if you think about it, he never got 100 yards in the um regular season right yeah, yeah. he got 100 yards last year in the preseason he's gotten 100 yards twice this year in the preseason but the lone time that he didn't he was there by himself <laughs> the whole game it's just i just doesn't make any sense like it's just a weird coincidence i know but it's just one of those stats that you kind of look at and you're like why 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 how can that even happen yeah but he looked he looked better i mean i think i think right now i think everybody and i know we're going to talk about like injuries and all this stuff with the quarterback like a choose your own adventure 
but let's be honest. I think he really got lucky that Levis had to miss the last two games with injury. I I agree, and he might still be QB three, but that's just just just. It's wh- not where set in stone. Everybody's just assuming it's not uh, set in stone. But oh, I, I mean, Vrabel was very non-committal. Yeah, uh, today. I mean, I everybody's mean, assuming that Malik Willis is quarterback two right now, and I don't right. think that's who, what right. I'm saying about the assumption. Yes. Uh, so we'll get into the sort of what we think about the quarterback battle, and I don't really have a lot of questions about the game itself. We're talking preseason game three. It's like. You know, Harold Landry gets a little lather. Tannehill like does the thing where he prepares for the game and does the the puts on the pads and actually all the linebackers except for Aziz all just look the same. I all mean, the chads I just can't get over it. All the chads, chads one through four, uh, the crackerbacks, the flip cup boys, they all look the same. I like and it. It's driving me nuts. They have <laughs> they have to they have to find someone. I've there's rumors with the Browns that the Browns are thinking of cutting, and he's on the roster bubble, which I'm very surprised, Mohamed Diabate, which they have liked and shown a lot of interest in, which they should have drafted him over Colton Dow. (laughs) But if he becomes free, that could be a waiver claim. Like, I feel like they're going to try to claim in on a a waiver for a linebacker. Like, I think they're going to use a guy on that. Uh, Zach says, can we just call them all Will Compton's? I don't think that's as good as the flip cup boys or the cracker backs. I think yeah. I'm still, I think cracker back is still my favorite one. Yeah. Um, I thought Amy Adam Strunk is, was big on diversity. You know, I thought yeah. this was all about diversity. <laughs> some, the fuck's going on? I need there? to get some diversity in that group because they are all the same. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, uh, I do think it's interesting. And it, I, I don't know if we really, I guess we really just need to tie in the preseason with the 53 man roster talk. Because I find it interesting that now, twice now, Mike Vrabel has said Caleb Murphy, who everybody is already penciling in for an all-pro this year, um, Caleb Murphy needs to find a spot on special teams. And yet, out of all the edge rushers that they have, over three games, he's only played six or seven special team snaps. So they're not doing a very good job of finding him the special team spot, the spot on special teams. But also he went from over 30 snaps in the first two games to only 19. And there were 30 available snaps when Harold Landry went off the field. And we know that Arden Key didn't play. So I know that everybody is still very much on board with Caleb Murphy. And listen, if they put Caleb Murphy on the 53, I'd be happy. I think that would be a great use of a roster spot. I'm just approaching it from, I don't think they are based on what they have said and what they have done. And I know that TD disagrees with me because he's been very pro Caleb Murphy. You'll never find, and I, and I'm okay with that. Like I, I, yeah, I'm good. pro yeah. Caleb Murphy. Yeah. But he thinks that he's going to get snatched up. And I, the way that these waiver wires work and these claims, I don't feel like, I feel like people misunderstand what really happens. You're talking about maybe 30 players will get claimed off waivers, right? That's out of like, out of out a, of like a out thousand. Of nine, yeah, yeah, basically, well, essentially could be like eight to 900 almost because you got to remember vested veterans can clear the waivers. Sure, sure. So like, you know, out of that. And normally, if you're claiming someone, you have and you have to put them on the 53. So I just don't feel like that connection is there that someone sees Caleb Murphy and is like, oh, well, he works really good at the Tennessee Titans against third and fourth stringers. He was really good against like Division 2A or wherever he played football at, whatever division that is. I have to have a roster spot for him. I just don't see it. I just don't. Yeah, and, yeah. and 
that's just the nature of the NFL. It's not an indictment on Caleb Murphy. It is the nature of the NFL waiver wire process. No, I think this is, I think almost, so let, let me, I've got a reaction to that because I agree with you. And then I can quickly run down some names, by the way, that like, for example, that at some point during this camp, we liked, I've liked Alizé Mack most of camp wave today. Yeah, you've injury John- apparently. Injury. You've liked Jonathan Ward injury a little bit. Wave today. Josh Thompson wave today. Uh, Michael Badgley gone. They currently do not have a kicker on the roster, so there will not be one, I guess, on the 53 unless tonight they bring somebody in, which is possible. Um, Alonzo Davis, Gavin Holmes, Zach Johnson, Jim, uh, Jimmy Murray, Jim, Jimbo Murray, uh, and Justin Rigg all all waved on Sunday or Monday. So they're actually down from 90 to 81. So they only have to go from 81. So they're making the early decisions, the ones they just already know about. And that ties into your point, which is, and I'll use Mac as an example of this, a guy that I really liked even last Wednesday at practice in a bad practice, he, he looked pretty good and played lots of fullback, which they don't have. And he's one of the more athletic guys. The point being, when is the last time a camp darling that all of us sort of liked media fans, et cetera, that we talked actually made the team in the initial roster cut. And it's just extremely rare because the coaching staff and I actually talked to uh, uh, Brian Billick over the weekend on the radio. And I said, how many guys do you actually, are you actually deciding on when you go into your last preseason game before the game? And he's like two or three. He's like, you already know like 47, 48, 49 of the guys that you're going to keep. And they're not going to win their way onto the roster largely in that last game. Well, and then you got to think of everybody else's practice squads, right? I mean, they you tend to sign. Familiarity is key, right? You tend to sign your own guys to the practice squad. So, like, you know, Khalif Raymond is one, you know, that I, I don't know if he made the initial 53 back uh, in that day. He may have, but he may have been called up from practice squad. So, um I could double check that real quick, but like, you know what the, you know what everybody's afraid of is that he's going to be the next Shaq Barrett and you let him go. Yeah. Okay. There's been, but what are, what's the- <laughs> there've been 261 edge undrafted free agent edge rushers that played in at least one game. 3% of those turn out to be with 10 sacks or more in their career. We're talking like number 21 or something was like 10. So like, so like Trey says, and I, I'm not going to have to go out and check it. He says he was practice squad. So that's the point, right? right like right. Caleb Murphy goes right. on the practice squad. And when you need him. When you need him, you bring him up. And right. that could be a, a quite a bit. And that could be after some other roster moves that are made. Like maybe Kyle Phillips goes to IR and then they bring him up. Maybe they do this or someone else gets injured and then they bring him up. You know, the, the whole point of this is, you know how far back someone has to go to point to a a person the Titans let go that turned out to be really well for another team. They, that let him go. They didn't, they couldn't put on the practice squad. They just let him go through waivers. Look, Garrett Blunt. <laughs> That's over a decade ago. Yeah. Well, quit, just you're quit holding on to that. <laughs> your, your Shaq Barrett example is a perfect one because it's just about math. At that point, yeah. you have a thousand players cut on cut day or throughout the camp process every single year. And how many Shaq Barretts have there been in just the last five years, let's say? Right. Like, I like, mean, like just 99.999% of players cut don't turn into Shaq Barrett. So let's stop freaking out. Everybody's about like, that. well, you know, they cut David and Innie and look how that turned out. David and Innie hasn't played a snap right. at all. So it's I, not like if David and Innie made the 53 man roster last year and he only had one less sack than um, Caleb Murphy. 
It's not like if he made the roster last year, he's going to be some kind of impact player. Like we have to understand there's people that say that the, the season is, you know, it's kind of like hinging on this decision or like it's a, it it weighs heavily in the outcome and blah, blah, blah because of injuries and all this stuff. Look again, I want Caleb Murphy to make this team because I think it would be awesome if he actually turned into something, but logically it doesn't make a lot of sense to hinge a roster spot onto that kind of player that you can't find a special team snap for. I right. mean, you that eats up a roster spot. Take take a deep breath on Caleb Murphy. I think we've <laughs> I think we've gotten there. I want to I do I do want to spin it forward because again I don't want this to by Tuesday afternoon. You know I don't want to have a long conversation. I think we're gonna have a much deeper conversation on Thursday about what decisions we did or did not like or some of the strategies we did or did not like. But I think a couple of those names just real fast here to point out that have been camp darlings that don't normally make the team. And uh, Julius Chestnut was one last year. Is he another one this year? I, I don't know. I think he's outplayed and is better than Hassan Haskins, but we we shall see. I think Thomas well, he made the team last year at, at a camp. He did. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe that was a maybe I maybe I, I thought I don't think I, he I, stayed on it very long, but he made the initial fifty three. Okay, okay, then I stand corrected. And, and if that was, maybe, I, mean, I know Mackay Sargent. Mackay Sargent is a good one. Okay, so Thomas Odakoya is another one that I think we've everyone universally thinks has done an excellent job and deserves a shot at the team. Who knows? Maybe they pick Kevin Rader instead because he's a little bit more established. Like I just am pointing out mm-hmm. some names that Eric Gare is another one, uh, an undrafted free agent that as a rookie, like has done an excellent job. We all agree has, has earned a, an opportunity. Maybe they, they think he needs a little bit more time. Like most of the time, the coaching staff thinks they need a little bit more time on almost all the players that we kind of like. So we'll just see uh, at two o'clock uh, or three o'clock, excuse me, on uh, Tuesday. And by the way, stay tuned. We have some really good news for you Titans fans coming up in just a second. Sinkers Beverages, Kingston Group, our two amazing sponsors. The football show is brought to you by both of them. Uh, again, over in East Nashville, number one liquor store in Nashville in 2022, as named by the Nashville scene, the reigning champions. So make sure you swing by. Excellent, excellent, excellent bourbon selection. One of the best bourbon selections you will find Worth stopping by if you got to drive a couple of extra minutes. It's worth going. Big, beautiful store, great selection, huge wines, huge walk-in beer fridge, like great selection of everything, but truly one of the best bourbon shelves I've seen anywhere in the city. That's my drink of choice, of course. So go check out Sinkers. Sign up for the in-crowd. And then, of course, also Uber Eats. Search Sinkers Beverages and have the booze delivered directly to your house. They drive so you could drink. Kingston Group as well, BillKG.com, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. Just don't do anything with your house until you talk to them, man. You're gonna, you know, if you if you need some help with a big renovation, a new kitchen, a new bathroom, you want to build a, a garage, you want to do anything outdoors, maybe do the pool, whatever, whatever you're doing, just have a conversation with the Kingston Group. See if they can help you out because uh, I guarantee you they'll give you some good advice if they if you can't work with them or they can't work with you for whatever reason. They, they will absolutely guide you and help you find the right solution uh, for your home. So Kingston Group, Sinkers Beverages, good news for Titans fans coming up momentarily that we will discuss. Uh, 53 decisions, though. I, I would like you to sort of pre- preview Tuesday with. And, well, my, my, my 53 is all screwed up with Dylan Radins coming back. And all <laughs> well, and that's that's like. I'm counting the, the kicker thing as like a half win like a one point or a 0.5. I'm not going to count it as a full loss because we all knew that Michael Badger was going to stay on the roster. I just thought no. they would carry 
him until after yeah. this. <laughs> well, and I, again, this could go out of date. Like Monday night, they could sign somebody. We're, yeah. But I think what's interesting is I, I wonder, I wonder if they just know they can get Mason Crosby like next Friday or like coming up in can four we days. Talk about this Mason Crosby video. Do you see it? And everybody's there's, like they're reaction to it. Um, I, well, no, my, telling everybody he's in Brentwood. I don't know why this is some big news. Maybe no. more people need to live, listen to this show and a football owner of the airports where we both have talked ad nauseum that he's in Brentwood. Let me ask you a quick question though. Like, is there any, like, I don't, could you just like, could you carry an extra player because you don't have a kicker? If you sign, if you know, you got Mason Crosby signed to a contract that's going to start like next Monday. And you could like have more time to decide on somebody. Like I, I, don't, guess, I don't know, but like, do you really need that? And I mean, that's the thing is no, like, no. I feel like they're just going to carry fifty two if they don't have a kicker by then, yeah. and then they just w- claim a kicker off waivers or something. Like, I don't know. Like, what's the point in keeping fifty three if you're just going to cut a guy regardless? Unless there's some mandatory rule where you have to have fifty three. I I don't know. There may be. I can't imagine they have a minimum. It's like a minimum and a maximum all at the Maybe, same time. I don't know. That'd be weird. Um, okay. So, uh, so you mentioned Dylan Radin's PUP list, of course, uh, but back. is, but is back and uh, <clears throat> we'll get to if he's practicing or not in just a second. Uh, <laughs> Are you going to do it? <laughs> no, give me like five more minutes. I'm gonna, oh man. I'll, I'll, I'll push it. Um, so, and we've got a, we've got a list for you. Just stay tuned. So I, what are the big decisions here? I mean, we've talked a lot about this, and I don't think we, we can get into the worst-case scenario here pretty soon, but I they're, I think they're keeping three quarterbacks. I, I don't think there's any real debate about that. I don't think there ever really has been. Unless they, unless they get a trade offer for one. You know, that that is yeah, possible yeah. if they get a trade offer for Malik Willis after his extensive showing. Listen, <laughs> you get a fifth, you run with it. That's that's how I feel. Like, you just you just go. Um, so so Trey Trey asked a good question. We can start there if you want to talk offensive line. He says, what's the hope with Raidens? And I think uh, this we can say. Mike Brabel did mention that Chris Hubbard is your starter. NPF, of course, is out of the building for three. Now, according as of right now, I believe is out of the building. He can come back af- after week three, halfway through the suspension. Uh, but that uh, Justin Murray, Jalen Duncan and Dylan Raidens were the names he mentioned. Uh, there's there's a possibility that not all those that Duncan doesn't make the 53, but then ends up. Yeah, in the practice I mean, that's squad. the thing, right? Like, but but the fact that he mentioned Dylan Radens going to go through individual drills and is going to be back to team practicing soon and that he's a possibility, even just mentioning his name at all, even a third or fourth string, whatever it might be, has to be somewhat of a promising development at least from a depth standpoint for this offensive line, because from an athletic standpoint, he still is way more athletic and polished than a, a handful of these names on this. And list. I've really always thought that he should be the right tackle, right? Like that's what we all thought he was drafted for. Then they went down this weird rabbit hole of trying all these different things with them and, and all that kind of stuff. So like, to me, this is a good development. Is it a develop? I mean, I don't know what Chris Hubbard has done to earn the spot because on the field, he does not look as good as Justin Murray. I think possibly Dylan Radins could be better than both of them, but mm-hmm. he provides you, I think, more athletic upside. And that seems to be the theme of everything. And if you get something out of your second round pick that is worth something over these next, technically, I guess, eight weeks, seven weeks before NPF comes back, if you get something else out of him that, hey, maybe he starts for four games and he's really good, that's a really good problem to have, especially when you see the Patriots are trading away draft picks for two 
offensive tackles. You got people swapping them everywhere. This is just extra. At, this was unexpected added depth that I am very happy that this is the development uh, so far because we thought that he for sure was going to be on IR. Yep. Yep. Now I, I will, I will say this and, and I don't, I don't want to go too deep into the preseason games here, but I have had some concerns. They didn't get much push at all. Tajay Spears didn't get any room at all on, on against the they Patriots. Got like two good run blocking plays. Right. They, they had of, a couple of nice first group, couple of nice pockets there for, for Malik occasionally, Very but I did a lot of nice pockets. While I think that the offensive line is better than last year, I still have, I still think it's the biggest concern, biggest problem, biggest worry, biggest hole on the team going in, to the season and if there is a chance that a player who graded out as a second round pick according to your organization who uh, frankly if you see him while he was healthy looks like a football player yeah. whereas some of these other guys don't always look like NFL offensive linemen and you can see the difference when you're out there at practice I, I think it's a big development if he can give you minutes by week with he, with, with PUPs can come back in week five right is that the first week in theory he can come yes, back yes but I mean he's already off anyway Oh, he's off. He came off. PO. Yeah, he okay. came. Okay. I mean, like he's he's taking up a roster spot right now. That that's the development. That's what's thrown my 53 into complete <laughs> chaos is that now he's back. So that means that there's probably maybe they keep in. I don't know what they're going to do at this point. Maybe Xavier Newman's off. Maybe yeah. again, we, we'll, we'll, we'll have all the analysis of what actually they decide coming up on Thursday. Uh, but MPF, of course, does not count as a roster spot. So Raiden's being on the, out and practicing in individual drills, according to Mike Vrabel. Uh, then I, it's a huge, it's a huge step in the right direction. Uh, the fact that there's some other people out there <laughs> as well today. I think we should just get into it. Let's just do it. <laughs> All right. So before we do worst possible case scenario, this will be part of our, this is part of our 53 man roster analysis. Um, I don't think that they're going to need to debate about the fifth wide receiver because it does appear that the, full complement of wide receivers could be available. I, I This is what I know. Traylon Burks is back, back, baby. And Zach has got another one right. Woo! Week one, baby. Traylon Burks will be there. Neither. neither. Is, Kyle Phillips, I have heard through the grapevine, uh, a little bit less optimistic. Yeah, yeah. But it seems like I don't know if he's going to be going on IR, which would also sort of make me right. Because I kind of put it out there as like 50-50. But Traylon Burks, back, 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 back. Ahead of schedule. Uh, full full complement of quarterbacks. Uh, full complement of, what you know what? Maybe there is some diversity in the linebacking core. It, it would appear that, uh, that that Monty might be back. Um, uh, Chig, Duncan, of course, Raidens. There's a handful of guys that all seem to be back. And then uh, uh, what's interesting is, uh, so... Do you want to do the quarterback injury thing here? Or is that do we want to do that as part of the worst case? Scenario? Well, I mean, like, let's. Well, I mean, I, 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 think I think it's great that Traylon Burks is back. I think it's great that Kyle Phillips is showing some progress. Maybe not the progress that everyone's hoping for inside the building. Chig is back practicing. Arden Key's missing, but I I don't think I'm going to have a big high level of concern over that. Um, I mean, all three quarterbacks are back. You said Monty Rice is back at practice, which doesn't make sense to me. You might as well just be spending the time packing your bags. Um, that way, you, you know, when you get cut and everything, you have a game plan for where that you don't have to spend a lot of time packing. You, know you just text. You just call the Uber and go right to the, the airport. There, you just go right to BNA. 
Uh, by the way, you can search Uber Eats for Sinker's Beverages and have the booze delivered direct yeah. to, to your house. Hey, just drive so you can drink. Just want to throw it out there. Uh, yeah, I do think linebacker is an interesting one to watch, though, because I know in your your projections, you have them with with five inside linebackers, one Aziz and four Chads. And I think I, I don't know if I don't know if I'm not sure about Ben Neiman. That's the one I don't know about. Uh, I think Campbell and Gibbons are, are absolutely on the team for sure. Locked in. The question is. Neiman, Gifford, Rice, do they keep three? Do they keep two? Do they keep one of those? I think they, who, who I think they keep two because I, I think Ben Ben Neiman is just a reliable tackler. And there there are spots for special teams because other people got cut. Like, you know, Anthony Kendall and um, crap, his running mate that was, on the, was also a gunner over the weekend. Neither of those guys... Um, I think are going to make it. So you're going to have to have people take up 53, but I also think that there's a, they have had a, just a depth issue. So, yeah, you know, you, you have, I feel like you have to keep five. doesn't mean that these are going to be the five come week one. It could be a mismatch of other players that come available and stuff. I just think initially they just keep five. Let me just step back for a second because, again, all this could go out of date on Tuesday. I just, let me step back. And Trey says, Josh Wiley, has, is, what's the biggest disappointment of the offseason? And I want to kind of ask you some broad, big-picture questions about the entirety of the camp. And I don't think Wiley has been a, a disappointment of the camp at all. I think he's been very, very good in practice and has shown a I lot mean, I don't know why we're talking bad about Josh Wiley when it's yeah. Malik Wills' fault that <laughs> those yes. interceptions happen. Malik Willis is Malik Willis has been doing oppo research on Josh Wiley and doing running attack ads on yeah. Josh Wiley every preseason game. Hey, no, they did connect on the pass though. I didn't did. see that. That was that was fire. I want to. I want you to give me sort of broadly. Has this off? Has this camp been more like? Is it more positive than you expected? Has there been enough de- depth and development? Are you con- Are you more concerned now that we're through the preseason? Like, just give me your I'm, state I'm of less concerned. Uh, okay. But it's, do I think that they showed more positivity? Pro- probably not. I feel like the camp reports and how the camp went is kind of how I expected it to be. But I do think, like, I think their cornerback depth is, I know we've discussed this a lot, but I think it's actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I think kind of the offensive line is trending in that direction. I think that depth is pretty good. Um, it, but I was feeling okay about linebacker. Now I feel worse about linebacker. Like that's just kind of like the ebb and flow. Like there's certain things that I feel really good about. I feel a little bit better or comfortable that, you know, if your wide receiver six is Colton Dow or um, Kiaris Jackson uh, or even Trayshawn Harrison, I feel pretty good about that guy being your wide receiver six. You know, I just, I don't know. I kind of feel like even kill. I don't think that I'm really disappointed in anybody because the people that didn't live up to expectations are people that had low expectations on uh like Monty Rice like I'm not disappointed in Monty Rice maybe I'm just uh a tad bit disappointed that we haven't seen a spectacular Josh Wiley catch because that was littered all through his college tape but it's, there, there were a handful of good pick, right and like I'm not too worried there were a lot of big plays that. in camp though like yeah. there's a lot of, you know the, the preseason games are not I know that's what the fans get to see but like there's a lot of plays you don't see like Reggie Roberson, for example, made a ton of plays in camp with Will Levis, <laughs> mm. which is the like so that maybe that has an impact on 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 why Roberson didn't show up in the games because it was Malik Willis and not Will Levis. And um, so, again, that's what you see at practice when you're out there kind of routinely. 
Uh, here's what I, I would say. I think the I think the skill position players across the board. I, I am a little bit more comfortable with that group than the start of camp. I still want to know exactly how the tight ends work, but I think the running back room is a little bit deeper than I expected. And and Tajay Spears clearly proved that through this just deeper for the running back room. Like it, I think it's better. I think it's right. probably the best right. running back room you've seen because when you had Hilliard and uh, Foreman, well, that was only because Henry went down with injury, right? right? So that doesn't right. technically count as your running back room. This uh, is actually a good complement, a th- good three-headed monster in my opinion. That, that, I, I, I kind of feel that way across the board about some of these positions. The best, I mean, they've done this thing with two GMs three different times, Darrington mm-hmm. Evans, Hassan Haskins, and Tajay Spears, and only one of them appears to be a guy who's going to play regularly on Sundays, and that's the guy they got this year. So I'm, I'm, he has proven that he was worth the draft pick, I think and is going to be very useful to this offense. So I think the running back room is a little deeper. I think the receiving core, certainly adding Hopkins in the middle right before camp starts, that changes your perception of a, of a, of a position group. So I think that's a little bit more positive. I, I don't know exactly, again, how the tight end room shakes out, but I think there's some potential there. But that's the one area I'm not as, you know, but they have two quality backup quarterbacks. I, I just think you look at the skill position groups, and while it's not one of the best in the NFL or one of the best in the AFC, it is better than I expected, or at least it's, better than I thought going into camp the offensive line I still have lots of questions about middle linebacker I still have lots of questions about defensive line I have no questions about kind of as as expected cornerback room as expected safety and eh. the kicking situation is a major problem <laughs> it's a major fucking problem well, and they, they, get- they lose out on Dustin Hopkins so like you know the Chargers quarterback or kicker battle right it was between Cameron Dicker and Dustin Hopkins Cameron Dicker uh wins the job the Browns swoop in and trade away a seventh round pick for Dustin Hopkins. And oh, you mean, you mean they invested resources yeah. in acquiring and now they're a kicker? Cutting Cade York. So may, but like kicking is such a mental game. Where is Cade York's head at now that he's been cut after one year, I think of being an NFL kicker. I, um, does it? You got it. You have to have a player on your team that does that, though. Yeah, I, I just <laughs> it's it's, it's, a, it's a wild situation that they uh, create, and it's just like nobody seems to have a sense of urgency. <laughs> no, no, go for it, go for it on fourth down. Not a terrible plan. Um, uh, in terms of also, you you know, just punt a lot more. Yeah, I think the concern. My concern is going to be, and this is obvious football stuff here, but I think it's worth mentioning. And I think you maybe alluded to it on the last show, um, but I think it, it 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 will dictate so much of how you play the game in a 15 yard window between the 50 and the 35 of the opponent. It will yep. dictate so much of what you do. And maybe that could actually lead to maybe more aggressive play calling if they feel comfortable in fourth and short on the 34, the 33 or the 31. Like maybe it also could lead to far more conservative play calling on third and eight on the 38 because they know they have no chance uh, unless, you know, of, of moving into field goal range, unless it's a first down. So I, I just don't know what the effect is, but it has a huge effect on the way you call plays in the, one of the most important, if not the second most important part of the field for your offense. So it's to your point, the, the lack of urgency, the lack of investment, the lack of resources, the lack of forethought, all of which is anti Mike Vrabel is just very strange. So I just wanted to get your thoughts in general on the the state of the roster now that we're at the end of preseason football and camp. So I think I go. feel just like a couple levels better 
not not like large leaps and bounds better, but I do feel like it kind of almost kind of evened out considering what I expected from some position groups and yeah. all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, okay, so otherwise, let's do quickly here as we go into what could be worst case scenario for this team. And everybody kind of knows the strengths and weaknesses, but like let's truly lay out what could happen. I want to start with the Willis-Levis conversation because I I do think that while it does take up a lot of oxygen and they're and they're the ones that were playing in the preseason and so people are focused and they're rightly so to be hopeful of the future because they've drafted two young quarterbacks that have a lot of ability. I understand why it takes up a lot of focus. We we do have to remind folks neither one of them in a perfect world if things go right for this team are relevant to this football team in 2023 at all. <laughs> so let's remind everybody Zero games started is the perfect scenario for Tennessee. Yes. So let me lay out. I want I want you to, now that we've seen, because I thought Willis was okay. I thought it was a better performance, but still just okay. I still think Levis is the better player. So I would have Levis as QB2. I want you to, I'm, I'm going to give you a situation. Okay. And I want you to tell me who you would want in that situation. Okay. Okay. So Ryan Tannehill is out for a game that is close. He goes out in the second quarter. Okay. You need to someone to try to win you that game in just that moment, assuming it's a mild injury and Tannehill's coming back. Who do you want playing quarterback? Willis or Levis? Levis. Okay. Ryan Tannehill goes out for the entire season in week number two. Who who do you want playing quarterback for the Tennessee Titans for the entirety of the season? Levis. You Ryan Tannehill gets hurt and is out for a couple of games, maybe a month. Who do you want playing quarterback? Levis. <laughs> See where we're going with this. <laughs> um, you want to have and a quarterback for, it's for di a lot of different reasons, by the way. Like, oh, okay, you know, we'll get to that. Okay, so then last, probably the, kind of the last each, one. Here. Each scenario presents its own like reason, in exactly. My, in my and that's kind of why I wanted to do this is like each one. And then is so last one would be, who do you want to come in to change up the offense in a special, although they haven't been very productive when he's in there in sort of unique situations that that one might be Willis, right? Yeah. So if you're talking like, if you want to do like, I, I don't, it's not really wildcat, but if you kind of want to like, you know, surprise the team on a couple of play, the opposing defense on a couple of plays and see if maybe we'd get some RPOs and some runs and some explosives or something, then yeah, I would, I would definitely go with Willis in that situation. Okay. All right. So two, three Levises and one Willis, but anytime that we need an extended period of time from a quarterback, that's not Ryan Tannehill. I agree with you. All three are Levis. Uh, so first scenario come in and needs to hold the fort down to win a game. That's the only one that I might say Willis might be capable of just handing the ball off, trying to manage the game and try to slow play their way into a victory. That I don't know. Being, he's a fumbling machine. <laughs> that, be, that being said, the strategy behind Levis, in my opinion, is that he better fits the offensive game plan that you've probably been preparing with Ryan Tannehill for the entire week. I, I agree. So, like, my, my thing in that situation where he just has to come in for a couple of plays, maybe a quarter, uh, you said second quarter, maybe it's a quarter and a half, and Ryan Tannehill can come back after halftime. Maybe it's just you know, whatever. Right. Malik Willis is too volatile with the football in terms of turnovers for me to want to trust him there. If Will Levis, all he, if all you have to do is turn around and hand the ball off, 
I'm good with Will Levis. I still don't trust Malik Willis in that situation from what we have seen in the, in these situations where he does tend to fumble the ball. Sometimes he fumbles a snap. Um, so that's the kind of, that's kind of where I'm at with that. Like in that particular situation, I think it needs to be Levis. And I think that you can still pass the ball if you need to, but you could still probably run the same type of plays that you would run with Ryan Tannehill with Will Levis. Malik Willis is still learning how to be a Ryan Tannehill quarterback. Will Levis knows how to be a Ryan Tannehill quarterback. I I think for a a long-term injury that involves a major massive chunk of the season, which will get us into our worst-case scenario in a second, I I still think Levis is the guy that – now, maybe it involves going back and forth. Maybe it's – you know, there's confidence levels there. I mean, who knows what what would happen, but – in a perfect world, we we all know that Rand Carthon traded up to draft Will Levis 33rd overall. Malik Willis was not their first choice, taken in the third round, almost outside of the top 100, two years ago by a different general manager. I assume that they would want to see Will Levis learn as much as possible if it was an extended period of time. Yeah, I mean, if it's extended period of time, you you give Will Levis the snaps. And that, I agree with you. My reasoning for that is not necessarily the turnovers or anything like that. It's that we have seen Malik Willis in the regular season. I know we haven't seen year two Malik Willis, but the guy that you have the most invested in the guy that you went on record and said that you would have drafted if Peter Skaronsky had not been there at 11, you put in, you got to give him all the reps you can give him, And that's where I'm at for both, for both the extended period of time and the whole entire season it's got to be Will Levis for those two reasons because you have to figure out sooner rather than later whether the guy that you had a first-round draft grade on yep. is your future quarterback. You know Sink or as swim, dude. franchising as a staff that Malik Willis is, is likely 90% not that guy. Now, so let, let now me, you got to figure out Will, what Will Levis is. So I guess the only one of the group that might might – people might want Willis. I'm not even saying I agree with that. I I'm I'll make the case to play devil's advocate for Malik Willis in like a two game situation. Let's say you're going to play. I don't have the schedule in front of me, but let's say it's Atlanta. And then I think I can't remember who they play after that, but just it's after the toughest part of their schedule where they're playing a lot of big games. And it's maybe two teams that are, you know, on par with the Titans or the Titans could be better than, or the Titans will be favored in the game. And you know, that Tannehill is going to be out for two weeks. And you know that he's coming back in in three weeks, and you need two starts from a guy. That's it. You know so it's you, only going to be said two. after the Atlanta game, so that would be Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay. So okay, so or, or even just Pittsburgh about, and Tampa. Yeah. So yeah. So if he's out for Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay. Yeah, and and maybe Atlanta and Pittsburgh's better because Tampa's defense is tough. <laughs> so so like just pick two th- two of those three teams where you know it's a it's an evenish game, and if Tannehill was in this game, the Titans would clearly be the favorite to win going into that situation, but you, you, you have two games and he's out and you know that it's a short window, but that Tannehill's coming back fully healthy in three weeks. If I'm playing devil's advocate for Malik Willis, that would be the one scenario where I would say the guy started in the NFL enough that he's comfortable enough that let's start him first and see if he can manage a game to a victory for two weeks. And if he can't, we can go to Willis the next week. But we know that at least this guy has done it in the NFL where Levis has not yet. So I, I that's the see, only I scenario. I can see that scenario that you're talking about where, okay, it's, he's he's out for three weeks, like you said. And it's, let's okay, so let's say it's this stretch. 
Tampa Bay, Jacksonville, the Carolina. Okay. Jacksonville's so important. <laughs> right. But what I'm saying is you put Malik Willis in versus Tampa Bay. And if he doesn't do well against Tampa Bay, then you put Will Levis in for Jacksonville because you think that maybe, okay, well, if he's not going to be able to do it against Tampa Bay and he's making mistakes like crazy, he's probably going to do the same thing against Jacksonville in a big game at Jacksonville, by the way. It's back-to-back away games. Yeah. And then you have Carolina after that. So you know Will Levis can at least probably win you Carolina, right? Like, so the two hard games, you gauge whether instead of trying, and I know we we both agree on this, but again, you don't want to make things more difficult for your first time starting in a regular season quarterback, right? Right. So I could see in this scenario, I would still say just give Willis Will Levis all the reps but I could see the scenario that you're trying to lay out right. and how it makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I want to, yeah, to be very clear, I, I would vote for Will Levis at almost any different situation that we're talking about. But if it is a game that you feel, and I would actually, I, it's almost situational in this situation, like in, in, in what we're talking about, it's almost not even the road game against Tampa or Jacksonville. It's almost like if you have, it's the Falcons at home, it's that, that game's at home, right? If yeah. it's the, if it's the Falcons, a team that, you, by the way, I know you and I both kind of like Atlanta to be better this year. But if it's a, de- a team that you feel like you should beat at home, especially if you can do it running Derrick Henry 38 times and not forcing the football too much, maybe that's where you you put Malik Willis in. It's yeah, almost it's, it's almost that situational for me. Like it's almost to me, to me, it's like, OK, if you know you can win doing that, then wouldn't it be better to do that with Will Levis? Just because maybe it's his first time and I saw him drop a bunch of snaps from under center <laughs> in yeah. camp. I don't know. Like, I, you know, th- there's just. There's something to be said about having been out there last year for a couple mm-hmm. of games. Like, again, this is just my devil's advocate here. Yeah. So, which brings us, of course, to worst possible case scenario, which is, of course, Tannehill. I, I think people need to understand, like, the Titans may not win the division this year fully healthy. They may not They may not have all the injury problems. I would assume luck would swing back their direction on this. They, they may finish 8-9 and nine or 7-10 and 10 or 9-8. and eight. Like, they could do that with all their players fully healthy. But for it to get to worst possible case scenario which I still don't think is possible to be worse than the Cardinals. Like, I just don't think it's possible. No, that's what, that's why I think a, a good top five, top three pick is like somewhere around there in, and not number one. <laughs> yeah. Worst case scenario, in my opinion, even without Ryan Tannehill, and maybe you have to take Derrick Henry off the team as well. You have to take a lot of people off the team, in my opinion. To, they, worst case scenario is like a four or five win season, like worst case. And that's without a lot of your star players. So to me, that's how you get maybe into the top five. But I think the point is, is you have to have a ton of injuries to get to that position for them to be a four or five win team, which which if you tack on the seven losses from last year, does not exactly give this team a tremendous record over a season and a half. No, I mean, like to me, it's like, okay, if if Tannehill is out for the season. And it, but everybody else is healthy, and it's Will Levis or even possibly Malik Willis, right? I still think this team can has a good chance to win the division. the The Vegas won't reflect that, but I still think because if the defense is fully healthy and everybody around those quarterbacks and is fully healthy, then that it's not it can't be just Tannehill, right? So, like to me, it's like if Tannehill's got to go down. DeAndre Hopkins has got to go down. And Jeffrey Simmons. <laughs> Jeffrey Simmons has to go down. One of your uh, offense starting offensive linemen has to go down. Then we're to, we're broaching the territory of 
okay, this team could maybe bottoming out because they've had so many people out. Like, I think you may, even if with Simmons out, I think it has to be Simmons and Danico Autry. Like, it's just, for them to bottom out to a top five, top three pick, like this guy is suggesting, of course, he's suggesting worst record in the NFL. It has to be a ton of people that have to go down and they have yeah. to be starters. We're not talking like your I mean, Andrew Adams or your like Ben Neemans right, right. and stuff like that. Right. It has to be like your top tier players almost all have to go out at the same time. If you took all of those players off the team, even let's just say the top four or five guys, let's just say Hopkins, Henry, Tannehill, Simmons. That's four, you know, four of the top ish players, if not the four best players, more most important players on the team. That puts them, their roster is still probably better than the Texans last year, even at that point, even without those guys, which means even for a Texans team that had arguably the worst roster in the NFL, they still didn't finish with the number one pick. Mm -hmm. They like Vrabel can get them a couple of wins. And if that takes them from two to five wins, then that's not number one pick. Five wins is not number one pick. It's probably not number two pick. It's probably not number three pick. It's close. But I think worst case scenario you're talking about is four or five wins with tons of injuries and a top five top five pick, and then you have another quarterback decision to make next year. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, like, because if you think about it, if Will Levis or even Malik Willis goes into a game where there's Derrick Henry, Traylon Burks, Chica Conquo, the starting offensive line, and DeAndre Hopkins. Spears? Spears. I mean, but I'm just saying, you know, your starters. Yeah. Right? That's enough to win you a game with this defense. Like, he would have to be completely terrible and implode, whoever the quarterback is, Will Levis or Malik Willis, for them not to win a game. That's how good right now your starting top of your depth on both sides of the ball is is built. That if Ryan Tannehill goes down, I'm not, like, panicking. Doesn't mean that they're going to go as high as what Ryan Tannehill would. Right. Right. But they're, it has to be like, ten, it almost has to be like six or seven starters have to go so, out for the entire season. To me, the Chiefs game is all you really need to watch. Right. They didn't have any wide receivers. They didn't have their starting quarterback. And Mike Vrabel's defense kept them in that game and had a lead late in the situation against the Super Bowl champions. Like that, that, and I think some of this is just understanding the gap in the NFL between the worst roster and the best roster is just not very big. It's just, it's just not. Now the quarterback may be the, the, the thing that changes all of that. Of course, um, Tim says we're already having injury problems. I, I, I mean, Dylan Raiden's coming back is good news. Traylon Burks being back on the practice field is good news. Chig, Monty Rice back at the practice field on, on Monday, all really good news. You know, Phillips, of course, you know, that's, that's a question there. The kicking is a concern, but that's not injury related. So I don't know if the injuries, I think they would have to have that like 93 person injury thing. The two, the two injuries right now that are up in the air. Or there's three, actually, because we don't know. this. I don't think the severity of any of these besides Kyle Phillips, but Arden Key, Daniel Brunskill, and Kyle Phillips are yeah, all Brunskill. currently injured and missing practice. I don't think the first two, Key and Brunskill, are that bad as far as they'll be out for like four weeks or something. I just don't think so, but we don't have the information that really says anything otherwise. It's just a, a feeling in my gut right now. However... You compare that to teams across the league that just finished up preseason. The Titans really scathed. He yeah, really yeah, came not, away unscathed. <laughs> I mean, comparatively. Knock on to something. everybody else. Yeah. And, and a else. thing we haven't really touched on in this conversation is, 
whether it's a backup quarterback, whether it's Ryan Tannehill, whether it's Willis, whether it's worst case scenario or otherwise, is that if Tim Kelly is really the guy long term ish, you know, whatever the average length of a long, you know, a rising offensive coordinator, if you're really good, you get a head coaching job is my point. If if Tim Kelly is the dude and is excellent at his job, then this gets even easier for everybody because uh, you can the, the 49ers just traded Trey Lance away because their seventh round quarterback fits into their system better because the system is so good. So right. certainly there's other things. There's other factors. Kyle Shanahan's offense and his mind and other players and Kittle and Samuel. And I, I get all there's other things there, too. But but if the system is good enough. Levis and Willis have enough talent. They have enough talent at receiver that if every if the biggest names get hurt on offense, in particular Tannehill and Henry, you've got Spears, you've got the receivers, and more importantly, we will find out if Tim Kelly is the guy. Right. <laughs> so, and at that point, you still might get to six or seven wins. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I'm not as bullish as you. I don't think they are a contender in the division if they lose Tannehill. I don't think that's possible. I think Tannehill is the is the way they will get to the playoffs this year. But I think that they can get to the playoffs this year. I think they can win the division. And that is not something that the average NFL fan across the country thinks right now. Yeah. I, I, I mean, the Texans aren't going to be that good. I'm, I just don't believe in what I've seen from C.J. Stroud right now. Maybe he's good at the end of the year when they're facing him. Maybe he's progressed or maybe he's just been ruined at that point. I don't believe in Anthony Richardson. Uh, <laughs> I'm not scared of him right now. I still think he has a lot of talent, a lot of upside, and I, I just don't think year one is going to be there for him. And they don't have the Eagles roster that Jalen Hurts did when he drug them, when they drug him to the playoffs, uh, with that nine and seven year right before the Super Bowl year. They don't have the talent there for that. And then the Jaguars are already suffering their, their injury luck has turned like I thought it would. Vent- Ventro Miller out for the year. Yep. And Terrell Miller's now out for the year, but they've suffered injuries along the offensive line. Uh, Tank Bigsby's already fumbling, which is not good for his stock. I mean, obviously, he's going to get more chances at the goal line, but they have their own, good. They have they have their own suspended yeah. tackle. Right. Tra- <laughs> Travis Etienne, you know, he has a fumbling problem as well. So, like, I don't – they had a lot of fumble luck last year, a lot of injury luck. So, that's kind of why I feel that – they could win the division kind of like the Jaguars did at like nine and eight or eight or nine, or maybe even worse because this, the rest of these teams don't instill me with a lot of confidence specifically. I think the Jaguars defense is way overrated, but we've already talked about that. I, I think you, if you get to 10 wins fully healthy, I think you, you win the division. I think nine and eight, there's a chance you tie and you lose the division because that last game might be the deciding factor. I yeah. think the Jags are going to be around where they were last year. And I, I, not not significantly better, but I don't think they're going to be any worse. I think they're right around nine wins again, and so that means you got to probably beat them at least once, if not twice. And you have to, you probably need to sweep the rest of the division, and that's a chance. And so, and, and again, we've got all of next week to sort of make our official predictions and picks on on the division and on the team and on all kinds of stuff. Then we're going to do that. But I think worst case scenario, losing all of your star players. I still think you are a four or five win team minimum, if not six. And I think that is a, a good place to be. And it certainly does not put you in contention to be the number one or number two overall pick. So, yeah, I agree. So there you go. 
There you go. Sinker's Beverages, definitely the best case scenario. Kingston Group as well, buildkg.com. Make sure you check them out. We do appreciate all of our great and wonderful and amazing sponsors, of course. Um, stay tuned for more information on F-Words and on a football show for the, the weekend festivities up at Bluegrass. Of course, Sinker's uh, sister's location up there in Hendersonville celebrating the 50th anniversary of serving that community. So go check that out. Uh, we'll get you an email to all you guys in the fantasy league. We'll send you that out as well. Coming up on Thursday, we are going to react to the 53. We'll do that. I know F words is going to do that. I know stack in the inbox is going to do that as well. And we actually will look ahead to a full weekend of college football. And, and I got play. a little surprise for tomorrow's stack in the inbox readers. I'll be finishing up today, but, uh, I'm, I'm, Doing something a little different with Tasteful. the talk around how players age. A little, so I got inspired by a hockey and baseball data book that I was reading. Yeah, and I okay. got a little inspired, so I'm bringing it to the NFL. I'm the first guy so, to bring it to the NFL. So, ta so tasteful nudes tomorrow. Tasteful it's stacking the it's stacking the inbox. Uh, make sure you check out stacking the inbox. All the other great shows across the 440 Sports Network, as well as the Broadway Sports uh, Media Network, as well. So make sure you check all those out as well. You know what? Check out my man, Stoney Keeley and Sobros too. Free shout. Yes. There you go. For always, for always spamming the comments, you get free, you get, you get a free shout out. Uh, for Zach, I am Braden. Go to Sinkers. Go to Kingston Group. We will talk to you Thursday. Enjoy Cut Down Day. We'll talk to you next. We'll talk. Enjoy Cut Down Day. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy all these players losing their jobs. <laughs> no, we're gonna get sixteen of them back. It's all right. I, I was totally fucking up the ending anyway, so I need to redo it. We will talk to you on Thursday. Have a great week, everybody. Yeah.